Um, hi, it's nice to see all you guys here. Um, it's always nice to be here together. Um, I hope you've had a great week. I've had, you know, I always have eventful weeks, but it's been a fun week this week. And, um, you know, I, I am a female, but I don't necessarily enjoy clothes shopping, but I got to go clothes shopping this week. Um, and for my favourite item of clothing, I love jumpers. If you look in my cupboard, I have this much everything else and this much jumpers in my cupboard, and I still only wear three of them. But I love jumpers, and I got to go shopping for jumpers this week, and uh, that actually makes me excited. It's that, you know, girls understand this. There's just always that one thing that you love shopping for. Boys, I'm sure there's one thing you love shopping for. Probably not clothes, but, um, you know, there, there's that one thing that gets you excited, and I got to do that this week. I was in Lithgow doing my grocery shopping with my dad, which doesn't make me excited. Um, and as I'm walking through the middle of the plaza, there's this little pop-up store. And I'm going through and checking out. They've got this big pile of jumpers. And I go, oh, that's awesome. So I start having a look. And I find this amazing red jumper that I absolutely love. And I find it in my size, so it's even better. And it's only $15. So, you know, this day cannot get any better at this stage. And so I say to the lady, I'm like, oh, I want this one. And she goes, no, you don't. And I go, no, I want this jumper. And she says, no, no, no. It's too small. You don't want that jumper. And I'm, you know, now it's, it's not the most amazing day ever now, but I'm like, okay. And she, I go, well, do you have a larger one? I, I'm trusting her. She knows what the sizes are. And um, it was a little Asian store. The sizes can be a little bit smaller. So I went, okay, no problem. Do you have a larger one? She goes, no red ones. And I said, oh, well, that's okay. I really wanted a red one. She goes, no, no, red's an old person's color. You don't want a red one. Buy this one. And I'm... I'm now in this dilemma where I found this jumper I really, really love and I've been given a whole nother jumper. And, um, you know, I did what any self-respecting person does in that dilemma. I look at the person who I will probably never, ever see again and decide that I need to impress her with my clothing, so I buy the jumper that she gives me. Um, it's not so bad. It is the jumper I'm wearing today. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's not terrible. But um, I walked away that that afternoon and I just went, what was I doing? I found a jumper I liked, and then I felt the need to impress someone with my clothing choices that I will never, ever, ever see again. Uh, and yet I did. And um, that's what I want to talk to you guys about today, is I want to talk about dressing to impress. Um, because we all do it. We don't physically dress to impress all the time. Um, most people who see me know that the best thing about me being a stay-at-home student means that I get to wear tracksuit pants 90% of the time. Uh, I, there's actually this little part of me that hates school terms because means that I have to go into schools to do ministry, and I, and I love that. It's my favourite part of the week, except I actually have to get dressed. There's no lounging in my pyjamas all day. Um, having a dog has been really helpful for me because it means I have to get dressed to take him out for a walk. I haven't yet got the confidence to walk down uh, my street for, you know, an hour in my pyjama pants. So I have to get dressed, and that means I put on tracksuit pants. Um, but I, every 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 person of us, some of us like suit and tie, um, and we feel that we're good when we dress like that. Some of us, you know, for, for females, we can spend hours. Uh, girls, I, I don't actually understand this about us. Do, I'm one of these people that if I have to be somewhere, I get out of bed, I pick up the first piece of clothing that is clean, I put it on, and I leave. Um, that's about it. I have a lot of female friends that I discovered when I did college that they would pack their entire suitcase to come to a college event to study for two weeks. 
and it could take them 40 minutes just to pick their outfit in the morning. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, I'm not actually completely convinced I'm going to wear pants today. I might just wear my pajamas because we're going to be studying all day anyways. Um, but some people do. They spend hours picking their clothes. I know people that have come, I've been chatting to the next morning, and they're like, I didn't sleep last night. Oh, really? Was something keeping you awake? Yeah, the pants that I really wanted to wear were in the wash. And that kept you awake for hours. You know, I had to change my entire outfit for the day. And I still don't understand that kept you awake for hours. But all of us dress to impress someone. Um, and that's not physically, but we we dress in our character. We dress in what what we let come out of our mouth, what we listen to, what we let go into us, into our bodies, both uh, both the food that we eat and where we get our information, where we get our entertainment, we dress to impress. Um, now, I, I'm going to talk about it today and I want to um, open the Bible, but I decided not to put the words on the screen today, so I'm actually going to make you guys reach under your pews, anyone who likes to follow and grab a Bible, so Paul, we might need some lights on so people can read. And we're going to turn to Ephesians. I did say earlier that it meant that I actually had to remember to bring my Bible today um, because I didn't put them on the screen. I didn't think of that. But we're going to turn to Ephesians 6. And once you find Ephesians 6, so towards, towards obviously, New Testament, about halfway through the New Testament, you'll find Ephesians. Um, chapter 6 is the last one. And we're going to verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in, in the heavenly realms. And therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breath, breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with, to the in readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And on all, and pray in spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert always. Keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Um, this is a, a fantastic piece of scripture and I, I really encourage you guys to go home and meditate on it this week because there is no way that we can pull everything that this scripture has to say out um, just tonight. But I'm going to take you through three points that really stood out to me when I read that. And the first one is, who are you dressing for? Um, now, as I said, we, we dress our clothes uh, according to what we're going to do. So one of the reasons I love going into to hang out with young people in schools is because I can turn up in a hoodie and a pair of jeans and my high tops and that's completely acceptable. I don't enjoy job interviews because I can't turn up like that. Um, we, we dress to impress. Those of us who are working in um, industries where we're dealing with people all the time, we have to impress those that we meet. But once again, I'm not, not talking about physically here. And, and the question is, 
Who is it that you're dressing in your daily needs to impress? So in the verse we just read, it says, Put on the full armour of God so that you can stand your ground against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in these heavenly realms. And that, that's what I present to you guys. Your, your life, you are impressing people. And if you are trying to impress the people in this room or the people that are flesh and blood in this world, then you're already failing against this battle. Because the people that we're trying to impress, our, our battle isn't with humans. Our struggles aren't against, with, aren't against humans. And so when we start letting our character become the character that is impressing humans, then we're no longer dressing in the armour of God. We're no longer being ready for our battle when it comes to to the authorities that are coming underneath Satan. And so this is this is the question that you guys have to have to come to is that God I, I love this part because it says put on the full armour of God. It's not a you know and then I'm going to equip you with the full armour of God. It's you choose. You get up in the morning and you choose if you're going to put it on or not. As you go into different situations in the day, you choose if you are going to dress yourself in righteousness, if you are going to dress yourself in truth, if you are going to dress yourself in peace. Or, you know what, you can dress yourself in the anxieties of the world. That's fine. You can dress yourself in the lies that this world will feed you and the lies that just make it easier to live in this world. And that is okay. That is your choice. But that's, that's not what God is telling you to do. He's given you that choice. We talk, I've spoken before about how he's a gentleman. He's not going to force his ways onto you. But you have to choose to dress. And, and I'm hoping that you know, this, this will really bring alive in you that desire to dress, to come up against battles. Because we live in a place that, although we can't see it, is spiritually alive. And I'm not, not just talking about the mountains. The mountains are spiritually alive. But the, the world is not a place of just people and animals and flesh and blood. It's not things we can just touch and see. But the Bible makes it so clear that there's a whole other realm going on out there. There there are angels, and we love to think of angels. You know, you you buy little guardian angel pins, and you hang angels, and you talk about having your guardian angel. And When I was in a car accident years ago now, I remember so many Christians, so many Christians I admire would go, oh, you know, the angels were looking after you. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad that there is a great spiritual force and, and I'm not going to talk about the role of guardian angels today. There, there's not enough time for that. Um, but the other side of that is that where there is good, there is evil. And we know that when Satan fell from heaven, he took a third of the angels. So that's, that's great. There's two thirds of the angels there that are still serving God. But there's a third that aren't now. And that's what we're talking about here, is we're talking about rulers who their whole desire for their whole existence while earth is circling is to make you stumble because they don't want to spend eternity alone. And so when you dress, if you are dressing to impress the people of this world, then we're not putting on the armour. We are already failing in that mission. And if we are failing... They are winning. And that's not something I want to, I want to do. That's a choice I want to make every day to put on my armor. But, but the next question is, what's the armor then? And, and the thing I love about this is, it's the whole armor. 
So when you read this verse, it's put on the full armour of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. It's not just put on the belt of truth today and then tomorrow we'll put on righteousness. Because if you're wearing a belt, that's great, but your pants are going to stay up, but your chest is still totally exposed. Or, you know, pick up your sword, but forget your shield. Um, That's really going to be great on the attack, but your defense, there, there's a lot missing in that. Um, or put on a helmet, that's great, keep your head protected, but run around barefoot. Uh, now, we're mountain people, we run around barefoot a lot, but we're still leaving ourselves. Because we run around barefoot a lot, we hurt our feet a lot. Uh, if you wear part of the armor and you're only wearing one part of the armor, then you're leaving yourself exposed. So when, we're, when it comes to the armor, we need to put on the whole armor and the full armor. And so what does that look like? Uh, when Paul's talking about the armor, he's using this description of a Roman soldier. Um, so keep, keep that in mind. Um, I don't want you to get trapped in this idea that it is each, each of the parts have a um, specific thing that righteousness is only going to protect your chest and the belt is just coming from it. It's, it's not like that. It's an image of a soldier. It's an image that even today we relate to the image of a soldier. Our soldiers look different, but soldiers have been there forever. And so the, I've kept with the idea of a Roman soldier because the Im- imagery is great, but it's not necessarily about where each of the parts are. It's about having the whole personality, that whole character in gracing your body. So... To start with, we have the belt of truth, um, and this is this is your choice. Um, truth is truth is great. Truth is easy. We we know what truth is. We don't like to live in truth. And so, when it comes to putting on the belt of truth every morning, there's two decisions you have to make. The first decision is what truth are you going to believe? Because truth isn't just about what comes out of our mouth. It's what about what we let come in as well. And if you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and say you're worthless, then you're living a lie. You're letting someone speak into your life that's a lie. If you, as you're getting ready in the morning, the TV's on, ads are going, and you start to hear about how you need the next best thing or you need more money to live your life and to be happy and to get that great girl, then you know what? You're living a lie. And it's it's about what lies are you letting in or are you letting the truth in? Are you letting God's word come into your life and tell you who you really are, tell you your value, tell you how precious you are and how much he thinks of you and how much he loves you and he loves others. So are you letting truth come into your life? But then the other side of that is, are you letting truth come out of your life as well? And it's, it's really, really easy to say, really hard to live. It's fantastic to wake up every morning and go, today I am going to tell the truth from the get-go. And then you wake up and you're in a grumpy mood and you're running late and you get into class late and the teacher goes, why are you late? And you go, oh, because uh, the car broke down. Uh, no, actually, I just slept in and I couldn't be bothered getting out of bed this morning. But if I say that, I'm going to get in trouble. If I say the car broke down, then it's not my fault. Or um, you're coming up to your boss and, you know, you've taken an extra long lunch break just because, you know, it was good and it's been a busy day and you're enjoying that period. And you know, why why did you take longer? Ah, oh, I got stuck at the traffic lights, I couldn't get back. And boss goes, okay. Or is it is it something bigger where um, maybe you're getting to a stage where you're starting to do your tax returns? Tax returns are a great time of the year not to tell the truth. And just to put in, ah, oh, yeah, I had to buy this extra stuff for tax, for, for work. No, I didn't. I wanted that extra stuff, but you know, I can, I can deduct that on tax. No one will question it. 
Um, or maybe maybe it's those good little white lies. Everyone likes a white lie. It's, you know, when that person comes up to you and goes, how are you doing today? And you look at them and you go, I'm great, when really you're dying inside. And I'm not telling you every time a, a, someone looks at you in the street and says, how are you doing, that you should go, oh, actually, my life is terrible. You know, I've got to go to the doctors and I'm really busy and I'm just feeling really sick. People don't want to know that. But it, there is nothing wrong with, particularly when you're in family, when you're in community, to look at someone and go, you know what, I'm not doing great. I don't want to talk about it. But life could be better. Or maybe the the white lies you're telling are, are even nicer. It's, you know, when your grandma gives you that beautifully hand-knitted sweater with a giant reindeer pattern on the front of it and, and you go, oh, grandma, I love it. <laughs> you know, by no means should you look at your grandma and go, oh, that is the ugliest thing I've ever say, seen. That That's not great either. But how are you living your life? Are people looking at you if you were to stand in front of a judge in a law, in a law court? Would the judge look at you and look at the way you live your life and go, I find you to be a truthworthy person? Or are they going to go, yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying and what you're saying may be true, but you're not necessarily always truthful, so I need so much more evidence to prove me in that. So in the morning, get ready with, with truth. I put on a breastplate of righteousness. Um, righteousness, once again, it's one of these Christian words we use a lot. But um, it's it's just there, and we know it, but we don't really know how to live it. It's that Christian term. We throw it out all the time. So I started thinking about it today, and what does it look like to live like a righteous person? Oh, well, you know, there's truth in there, and there's the way we treat people in there. And if we're living like a righteous person, people probably don't like us all that much all the time because we're standing for that higher level. We're standing on that higher ground. We're going, God says that's not okay, so I'm not doing it. Or we're treating people in love, but we're not treating them as if they're perfect. We're understanding that there's going to be issues that we don't agree with, and we're standing strong on that. Um, when we stand, when we stand righteous, I I look at our world today, and um, you know I I'm getting a bit older. I think I'm I'm actually starting to enjoy reading news. Um, I don't enjoy watching news. Maybe I should clarify here. When I say I enjoy reading news, I mean on my Facebook account I have lots of news articles that come up, but I enjoy reading them. So I'm not really old yet. I'm getting there, though. But I actually don't mind once a day sitting down and going through and, and working out what the headlines are. And I'm finding that if I want to put on that breastplate of righteousness, I need to stand for the injustices in this world. I need to stand up and go... How does the Bible and how does God expect me to treat a refugee? And I need to I need to choose. I'm not going to tell you what that choice is. But I need to go, how is this? I need to make the stand on, what does the Bible think on uh, same-sex marriage? And what is God telling me to make a stand on here? I need to make, and I tell you what, the one that I find the hardest still, is I need to decide when and where it's appropriate for me to stand for a stand on God's side of abortion and that, that not being okay, and, and I find that hard. I go, where where do I draw these lines? Righteousness is not an easy thing to put on. But once again, it's if you leave off just part of it, if you go, that's a really hard thing to take on, then you're leaving yourself exposed. There's one more area that Satan can get into. So every morning, that choice of putting on righteousness, that choice of living life the way God's called you to, it's hard, but it's worth it. We have... Uh, the sandals of the gospel of peace. 
It sounds so nice and cushy. The sounds of the gospel of peace. Yes, it's about time. Truth is hard. Righteousness is hard. Peace is great. We like peace. But are you living a life of peace? Now, here's, here's the big question I think of. Anxieties will come in this world, and it's hard. And I'm not talking here about people who suffer from anxiety as a mental illness. It's, it's another another area there. But anxieties as a general part of life are hard. I get anxious all the time. I've I've got a nephew that I'm about to jump on a plane with to fly interstate who is anaphylactic to peanuts. And every now and again I go, oh my gosh, what am I thinking? This child can't eat eggs without having to go to hospital and he can't have peanuts. What am I going to do? What am I going to do about this? He's susceptible to coughs all the time. What am I going to do? But my life is not called to think anxiously about tomorrow. My life is called to live in the peace that God has that under control. Or you know what, I read these newspaper articles of stuff that's going on in the world and I go, God, just, just what am I doing? What, don't let that come here. Let it, let it stay there. And besides, besides righteousness, that, that anxiety of what may happen tomorrow is just that plaguing feel. The, or a smaller scale, maybe it's that anxiety of, I've got exams coming up. Or if you're anything like me, I've got exams now and I haven't studied yet. And that anxiety of, am I going to have to repeat this year simply because I didn't study? And, and that anxiety is real. But if we're walking in God's peace, then that anxiety doesn't need to be present. Anxieties will still come. But to be able to shake that off and go, you know what, God? You have my life in control. You have a purpose and a plan for my life. And it's not all going to fall down in a second's notice. Because even when something goes wrong, you're in control. And I can trust in that. And that's the peace that I believe he's talking about here. The peace of God has it in control. So the anxieties of this world all of a sudden are much smaller and much less scarier. And we have the shield of faith. Um, I love shields. As a little kid, I was one of these people that always had giant cardboard boxes. And I didn't build cubby houses. I built shields. I like shields. And I like... More than anything, the Roman shield. And I think that it's one of the reasons I stick with this image of a Roman soldier. The Roman shield is great. It covers your whole body. And the Roman shield only worked great when it worked with others. It could stand on its own, but it worked best when it stood together. And they used to lock their shields together and build a wall. And the front line and the side lines and the back lines would build a wall. And then the inside guys would build a roof. And they were called the turtles because they would just march on you like this and it didn't matter what you did, you weren't getting through there. But if you knocked out one of those guys, they were in trouble. And so this is the one area where I go, I think that the shield has been deliberately put with faith because our faith works like that. There's that personal ability to hide behind our shield of faith when when Satan starts throwing his darts at you, when he starts undermining everything you believe. And it happens and when that happens, it's not something to be ashamed of. It happens to me. I'm sure it happens to our elders. I know it happens to amazing church leaders sitting at the feet of some of these guys and they go, there's been moments where I've gone, what am I really believing? And, and Satan will knock that, but that's where your faith, standing on, on what you know is truth, on what God has done in your life, on that ultimate belief that he is sovereign and he is God and he loves you. And that's where that Personal shield becomes fantastic and it's blocking off Satan's arrows that are meant to undermine you there. But this is what I mean with I think faith has been deliberately put with that shield. 
because the other side of that is that when you're starting to feel your shield get shaky, that's where we come together like this. When our faith starts to go, oh, I'm just finding it hard to believe at the moment, we get together in a community. And faith is contagious. I find that if I go for whatever reason, I haven't been at church for a while, if I've been sick or my family's been sick or I've been away, I come back and faith is contagious. I can't help but get re-excited and reignited. And so with that, that shield of faith, are you, are you really sure? I mean, number one, the question is, are you sure of your faith? Have you really submitted everything to God? And if you've done that, are you coming together regularly so that you can rebuild that faith and rekindle it? And when Satan's darts come, are you really ready to stand behind it and go, I know this is true about God. I, I know that that's there and I know that my faith in what he's done before in my life and what he's got for my future is going to work through. So the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, we throw that on our heads and it's great. Um, once again, the first question of salvation is, are you saved? Are you, like the, like the shield of faith, are you you assured that you're saved? Are you aware that you've given your life to Jesus and you're following his lordship? And for those of us who are, um, are you living like you're saved is the next question. Are you one of these people that you know, at some point put your hand up and said, yeah, I want to become a Christian and now I can go and live my life my own way? And I know I'm going to heaven when I die. That's great. You can choose to do that. No problem. Satan is going to have a field day with you. And life is going to be so much worth. Life is not easy as a Christian. But if you're choosing to stand under the I'm a Christian banner and I'm going to live exactly how I want though, then life is going to get hard. So much harder than you could expect. And so... When it comes to putting on this helmet every morning, are you actually looking at a life going, what does it look like to live like a saved person? What does it look like to step out into this world of non-Christians, into a world of people who don't like me because I'm a Christian, and live like I am? Uh, we have the sword of the Spirit. And now this is, this is a cool one. This is the one image that Paul gives where it's not the helmet of salvation or the um, shield of faith, where it's this, the, the two things are separate. But this is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And as I was reading up on this, it's talking about how um, the, the sword of the Spirit is, it's, it's about having, so first of all, the Word of God. I mean, we know what the Word of God is. And my first question is, are you letting this penetrate your life? Are you, if you, you would sit down and actually mark out where you spend your time, do you find that in that, that pie chart of your 24 hours of your life, you have this really, really thin sliver, if a sliver at all, of spending, spending your day letting this into your life while you're filling your mind with the latest TV show or the latest movie or with the latest music? And uh, you're not alone in that. Um, oh, I, I do a lot of that and a lot more than I should. But are you letting this penetrate your life? Because... My question would be, we, we put this stuff on in, in our world today and we're going to need it. Like we need, we need it on an everyday basis. But what if our world today was to change? I don't know how many of you have been following what's been happening overseas, but what if uh, what was happening over in the Middle East happened here today? What if all of a sudden people came through that door and they threw you in jail with nothing? 
just for simply being in church today. And you found that you couldn't reach a Bible. Do you know enough of this by heart that you could live and that you could be assured of what God's, God's word says? Or are you going to flounder? Are you someone like me who looks at your Bible shelf and you have half of a shelf full of Bibles that are gathering dust and, you know, a whole shelf of amazing novels that you know back to front? Because the bottom line is that you never know when that situation is going to come. Or even in today's world, when you're sitting there talking to a friend and they say, yeah, that's, that's really good, but um, tell me actually where Jesus says that it's wrong for me to live with my partner. Uh, I don't know. I just know that's something I've heard on a Sunday. Can you, can you actually stand for what you believe? Or if someone turns around to you and goes, well, well, prove to me. Where did Jesus say that he loves me? Can you go to anything other than John 3.16? If you're, you're called to recall a verse, is there any verse in the Bible you can pull out that's not John 3.16? Because I, I challenge you, I challenge myself. It's not good enough. Because there's going to be times in your life where you need that. This is, this is the greatest gift that, that we can hold. We have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, we have God, and we have his living word that he wants to speak to you in. And yet we don't open the pages. But the beautiful thing about the sword is it's not just about us wielding it. Is that if you are truly opening your life, if you are waking up every day going, God, let your spirit fill me. Let the Holy Spirit come out of me. And not only are you sitting and meditating in this for your life, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is using what's in here as a sword out there. And then finally, the last part of equipment that we often skip over is to uh, pray always. And uh, while I was making my notes on this, the only thing I could write is uh, that there's enough in that. I can't expand on that because if you're you're truly filling your life and dressing yourself in this equipment, then you want to be praying. You want to be sitting at Jesus' feet. You want the word to be coming in and you want to be worshipping back out. And when I was first writing this, I went, that's part of the armour to put on. And then I went, you know what, praying isn't part of the armour to put on. It's actually an, an act that will come naturally if you are filling your life with the rest of it. Because if you've got a best friend, you can't help but talk to them every day. You can't help but miss them when they're by your side. You want to tell them what's going on in your life. And if you're really living your life, believing that Jesus is by your side, believing that you're speaking truth, you're speaking righteousness, that you're living in his word, that you want to talk to him all the time and you want to carve out that space for him to talk back to you. So um, each of them, as I said, are great individually. But when it comes down to it, they only work when you're doing it all together. You need every part of that on. You need to have truth. You need to have salvation. You need to have faith. You need to have righteousness. Um, you need to have the word of God. You need to have peace if any of it is going to work because no Roman soldier was ever going out without his shield or without his belt, without his helmet because that left him exposed. It only works when you're completely covered. And so finally, once you have clothed yourself, the, the final question that you um you have to ask is why? And... um. I read this. I read this passage and 
And this is what stood out to me. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. And I started reading that and I went, yeah, yeah, I want the sword so I can go and attack. I want a shield so that when I'm on the front lines, I'm protected and I can still be stabbing. And then I went, oh, hang on. This doesn't say, and then clothe yourself to go out and find battle. This says, clothe yourself, be prepared, and stand your grounds. And I went, oh, that's not fun. I want to be out there and attack. It's, it's much more fun to, um, to, to be on the, on the front foot. And, uh, I was thinking about this and, um, I've been, I've found a new TV series, um, and it's called The Unit. I don't know how many people have seen it. Uh, I've, I've got a lot of army in my blood, so army, people, I love it when our army trucks come through town, I will admit. Um, I'm always like, oh, I love seeing, I love seeing the army trucks on the road. I love seeing the guys. I love the fact that army people run like they're marching. Like, I really like that. And I love army TV shows. Um, that's something that's come into me. Both of my parents were in the military. I don't know how many people know that, but that's actually where my parents met. And my house didn't run under military precision, but I think something about why they went in there followed into me. My family broke the line generations and generations back. We've been in the army. All, all of my cousins, there's always at least one person in each section that's either army or navy or air force. And then you look at my family and we're a little bit of the black sheep of the family. No one has gone military there. Um, and I just kind of go, God, cool. If that's me one day, I'll, I'll take that. I'll keep the family tuition going. But if not, I'm happy to fight on God's side instead. And so because I can't be in the army, I watch a lot of army TV shows. And as I said, I've, I've discovered this unit. And um, in the unit, it's great. It's a black, black ops, so it's, it's even better than normal army because they're going out and they're blowing stuff up and then they're coming home again. It's, it's a fantastic army show. And, um, you know, and of course, the, the good guys never get seriously hurt. The bad guys always die. And, you know, it's not quite like the real military. And there's there's this one scene early on where there's a, another agency which does the same stuff, but it's not under the the American government. And um, they they go and they recruit people that are trained in the black ops to come and join them, and they pay them more, and then they get to do the same things, but they get higher pay, and it's not under the the army. And of course, there's a little bit of tension going on, but there's a little bit of love as well because it's actually old people from the unit that are in the that are running this. And there's uh, there's Jonas who heads the unit that you follow. Uh, there's the colonel who, of course, makes the decisions. I couldn't tell you the colonel's name. It's just everyone refers to him as the colonel. Um, and then there's the private that they end up recruiting. And they the colonel the colonel says to this private and goes, why haven't you re-enlisted yet? And the private looks at him and he goes, well, I've been thinking about it, but I've got another four years before I'm going to see any form of action. You've got me sitting behind a desk, and I want to see action. And the, the colonel goes, but you're only 20, son. We don't put people in the front lines of the unit until they're 24 because you're not ready. And he goes, but I want to see action now. And this, this other group, they've, they've offered me action now. And the colonel goes, well, you know, stay here. Do your time, and we'll train you properly. And once you're ready, we'll put you through the training. And if you pass, because we only take the best of the best, if you pass, then we'll, you can join the unit. And so this guy goes and he thinks about it, and of course he's 20, so he jumps ship and joins the other group. And that's great, and he, it becomes this little sideline, and you follow it for a couple of episodes. And I've been hiring it from the, 
DVD shop. I've um, been watching it almost in line with Brad, and unfortunately he has the next disc that I need to see at the moment, so I don't know how the story ends. The last part I saw was this young guy, the young private, who wasn't trained yet, wasn't completely trained, and was headstrong, and he went looking for the battle instead of being called to the battle. He's lying on a field somewhere dying because he wasn't ready. He went to look for the fight. And I heard God say there, I'm not calling you to fight yet. I'm calling you to stand your ground. We've been placed here. That doesn't mean we run away from what comes because the spiritual battle is all around us. But we're not called to go out and find that battle either. We're called to fight and stand where we are and stand firm in what we believe and in what God's placed in our hearts. And I, I wonder how many of you guys are in that boat at the moment where you, you're actually looking for the fight or you've decided you don't want to fight. And both of them are okay, but both of them are dangerous and it's, it's not going to end well for you. The choice is yours, but are you ready to suit up, put on the full armour of God and stand or are you going to run? And, um, and on that, on that note, we've, I started with, uh, yeah, are you dressing to impress? And so, are you willing to get up tomorrow morning and dress to impress God? Because nothing about you is going to make Him love you more, but you can start to live your life the way that He's called you to. And that's what He's looking for. He's, He's called us to align ourselves with Him. And, um, we, we do that in the way we, we live and, and part of that as well is it's we're, we're pledging our allegiance, following that army idea where we're saying that we're going to live for you, and um, we're, we're going to come to communion now, and we're um, we're going to follow that that same idea that um, if you're if you love God, if you sacrificed everything for Him, if you've said to Him, I want to live my life for you, and He goes, I've done the hard work. Like let's let's face it, He He went out and fought the battle. He made it, met it head on, and it didn't end well for him. He fought that battle from a cross where he died so that we could stand and have faith in what we're standing in. He went out and he met that battle head on and he won it. And he invited you, he invited you to come and join it with him. But he invited you. That was a choice that you have to make. And um, I was... I was looking as I was finishing this off at Luke. I'm going to read to you from Luke uh, 22. And it's, it's a pretty common passage, Luke 22, 14 um, to 22. We, we read it all the time at, um, at communion and something new jumped out to me and I'd like to share that with you. So it says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that I will not drink from the fruit of the vine again until the kingdom of God comes. He took the bread, gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. And the Son of Man 
will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. And when I read that, I found the verses that said, and I eagerly await to share this with you. And that's what Jesus is saying to you today, that he's done the hard work so that he can eagerly await to share it with us now. And he invites you to that table. And so I'm going to invite you as well. If um if you love God, if you love Jesus and you've given him your life, then um, I invite you as a family to, to come down to take um, some bread, to take some, uh, to take a cup and, um, and go back and, and eat the bread as you want, but share the cup so that as a family we can drink and we can remember what, what Jesus has done. Um, and I pray you to, that in this, in this time that you reflect on what God's done and what he's now calling you to do.